James. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Oh, God's peace and grace, the Lord's day, uh, blessing is uh, Christ stands to bless his people. Thank you for the ministry this morning, the worship, the prayers, uh, the scripture, and what a joy to, to see the and hear the other reports, the missions, and uh, God's kingdom is, is advancing. And he's so good to us. He's so good to uh, speak to us. And our, our passage this morning for the sermon is going to be in Hebrews 12, uh, verses 18 through 29. So uh, it's printed for us in the bulletin. Uh, also, if you want to turn with your Bibles, we are our passage this morning. I uh, just want to say thank you. It's such an honor to, to be here and uh, to preach God's word. Thank you for uh, making our family feel like family. This is always such a highlight to come and, and worship with you here. Christ Church and uh, God's faithfulness uh, to your congregation. We are grateful. Um, this is God's word to us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it should be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he is promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We pray with you. Oh Lord, we, we thank you for your word, and we ask your help now that you would open our eyes to behold beautiful things. Uh, be glorified amongst us. We thank you for gathering us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, it is a joy to be here, and uh, thank you for being faithful to God's, God's word as he says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And uh, as Christ Church, hearing, hearing the story and seeing Jim Hatch, and, you know, James and, and his wife, hey, you know, where's God calling us? What, what's, the, what's the plan? And the Lord laying it out, and here we are today, and to see uh, God's goodness. And uh, as Christ Church being once a church plant, but has faithfully cheered on other church plants. And um, think of Strong Tower in Macon and the founding pastor, Tom Anderson, from Birmingham. And uh, Tom and Sarah Anderson, who have loved uh, Macon and served uh, faithfully in Pleasant Hill. Uh, we want to continue to pray for them. As he, he battles health issues, but his spirit is strong. And uh, God's grace continues to lead their family. And our family, uh, my wife and I, we've had the honor to serve uh, Strong Tower Fellowship and to see the Lord materialize and solidify the work 
uh, bringing members, bringing leaders. I mentioned the Newmans. So grateful for the leaders uh, that God has brought. And then this past year that we, uh, the Lord, organized our church. So we're a particular church in the PCA. Uh, we love the PCA, and we're, we're so thankful uh, God's God's strength um, to bring us through, even in, in spite of a pandemic and quarantine. But God really was faithful to keep before us the focus. What's the church about? What's the mission? What are we here for? And to see uh, him rally us. Um, we exist to glorify God uh, through Christ's exalting worship, uh, cross-cultural discipleship, and works of mercy in Pleasant Hill uh, in Macon. And Pleasant Hill was formed in, in 1870s in a historic black community. Um, it was the home of many influential leaders. Uh, one noted uh, Charles Douglas. He was the son of a former slave. He rose to become an iconic businessman, and he, he started the, uh, the Douglas Theater in 1921. And this theater uh, played host to many greats, uh, musicians such as Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, uh, and then even um, Macon's own Otis Redding. He was discovered there. So, so a lot of rich history in Pleasant Hill, a lot of uh, a rich history coming out of the community. And what once was a real thriving neighborhood uh, in Macon, now today we see the effects of, of generational crime, uh, poverty, blight, uh, drug abuse. And just even this past week as I was driving to check on a family in our church, I, I passed by, there was a woman walking on the, the side of the street and she was stumbling and I, I, I knew she, wasn't, she, knew, she was in trouble. And so I backed up and I got out of the car and, and she had fallen down and she was uh, lying in the street. And so I'm calling 911, and, uh, and the, the operator, she's like, hey, we'll check her pulse. Is she breathing? And it was obvious like an opiate overdose. Um, and uh, as I was you know, praying and, and talking on the, on the phone, you know, this is just, just it's horrible. But, but I noticed in the corner there was a young man who saw me, and he just, he just kind of walked by. And then, then another young man in, in the neighborhood, he just walked behind me. And I, later on reflecting, I was thinking, you know, you would have thought these young men seeing a woman lying in the street, a guy on the phone, like, checking her pulse, like, hey, can I run? Does she need help? How, how can I help? How can I, what do you need? But just, it's the realization of that this is an everyday occurrence. People fall, pass out on the street. Uh, there, you know, there's this fear of I don't want to get involved because this might incriminate me. And just, just see the, the overwhelming hardness over the community, the coldness. Um, and at times that can be overwhelming for, for us as, as ministers to think, wow, I mean, what can we do? We, we at times feel helpless. And you imagine that the dark places here, the hardened places uh, due to sin and trustville and, and the neighborhoods and, and even the, the neighborhoods that, that pretend really well that everything's going great. At times it, it can be overwhelming. And we think, you know, zooming out of our neighborhoods and our context and then our country uh, the, the, the division, the strife, the political uh, you know, division, all the things, the pan- pandemic this year. And we think, wow, what, what a state of emergency. You know, a state of emergency. What, what can the church do? Um, and I was reminded and I reflected upon a radio address. Uh, it's, it's now a book uh, by Gresham Machen. But he had a radio address and he, he, he titled it The Present Emergency and How to Meet It. And Machen, whose, whose influence we see today with the, the founding of the OPC, 
uh, Westminster Seminary. But, but really, he's noted as being a, a, just a faithful theologian against the, the waves of liberalism. You know, liberalism today, we, we see it you know, in our culture, but, but really it's this modernization, that, that this, this view that seeks to put man first. And when you put man on the throne, the desires and the standard is always changing. So therefore, the culture can't keep up. It's like this restless animal that in the end will consume itself. That's what liberalism is and, and does, the effects. But Machen, in the early 20th century, on the hills of World War I, uh, you know, great distress upon the world. He said, we're in a present emergency. You know, we've got wars, we've got unemployment, we've got political stress. And he said, many say we have to focus our energies on all the things before us. We need to focus our energies on the things that we see. That's what everybody's saying. This is what we got to do. But, but Machen in the address, he boldly declares, the only way to meet our present emergency is not by first dealing with the things that we can see, but answering the things that we cannot see. God and the unseen world. And we think about all the, the talking heads you know, all the, all the media, all the news, and the same in Machen's day. And he asks in the address, he says, why would you listen to me? Why, why would you listen to what I have to say? Why would you listen to what the church has to say amongst all these, these talking heads? It's the same for us. We think called to missions, and there, there's so many voices, so many solutions, so many answers. But why would anyone listen to us? And this is what Machen said. He says, because we have a message from God. We have a message from God, a message for those who are weary with the conflicts of the world. And he said, this is the message. He said, we can put it briefly by saying that Christ took our place with respect to the law of God. He paid for us the law's penalty and he obeyed for us the law's commands. He saved us from hell and he earned for us our entrance into heaven. All that we have, then we owe unto him. There is no blessing that we have in this world or the next for which we should not give thanks to Christ. So our, our message, the, the shining message, this truth, the gospel, God's good news of Jesus. This is our message. And this is why the world needs to listen. Because it's true. Through Christ's obedience, we've been given a kingdom. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so as the church, we respond in the joy the thanksgiving, the gratitude, we've been given a kingdom. And coming to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews this morning is speaking to us, do not refuse this message from God. Do not refuse the one who's speaking. He, he who warns us from heaven, you know, this, this warning to listen, listen to me, and God's inviting us to come, come to Mount Zion. Come to the city of the living God, the, the place where His, His glory dwells. Come. Join this city that, that, this, that has this blood sprinkled out, the, the blood of Christ, that, that speaks a better word, really a word that's useful to sinners. Come, come and worship this joyous word, this joyous message from God. And, and Hebrews is such a powerful book to us, to the church. Really, we, we could say it's a sermon. It's this great 13-chapter sermon that just blasts in and and we kind of wonder who wrote Hebrews, and as the church father origin said, God only knows. But we do know that, that, that he was a disciple of the apostles. He said that, that they received the message. They were eyewitnesses. And so it's been attested to us what we received from them. 
But the author, he writes to Jewish Christians uh, in a time before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And the church was growing. And with this growth, they were leaving the security of their day. They were, they were leaving the security of Judaism. And uh, they, they were leaving the synagogue, the protection. And we get a glimpse of this in John 9. Do you remember the story uh, that the man who was healed, the blind man was healed, and, and he glorified Jesus. He glorified Jesus. And, and the unbelieving Jews, they, they, they revile him. And they say, you're a disciple of Jesus, but we're a disciple of Moses. You know, you're leaving Moses. You're, you're going after Jesus. This is wrong. And so what do they do? They, they cast him out of the synagogue. They cast him out. That was strong. What a rejection. What a persecution to be cast out from your people. But Jesus, hearing that this man was cast out, he goes to him. Jesus goes to him. He goes, he goes, he meets the persecuted. This man who was cast out, and Jesus reveals himself to him, and then the man worships. We think of Hebrews and the Christians of the day and them being cast out, the persecution. Not having any protection, not having any protection from the Roman Empire. Uh, and they were tempted. They were tempted to fall away. They were, they were, they were tempted and that under the evils of the day, instead of turning to God, they were tempted to turn away from Him. And this, this powerful example, what the author writes in chapter 10, verse 32, he says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised, for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. So, so Jesus meets his church with, with exhortation, weary souls, burdened with the evils of the day, and he comes to lift our eyes, to lift our eyes from, from what is seen to, to what is unseen, that we would worship, that we would gladly lose our lives. What, what Jesus says in the Gospels in Mark, he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. This, this beautiful truth that frees our hearts, it frees our hearts from the fear of death, that, that we have a word that goes beyond. And I think in so much in our, our day in this past year with such suffering and, and death and disease and mourning, but we have these promises. And I have a friend who's a pastor, and his daughter's a, she's a COVID nurse. And she gave her, her dad this shirt that had a, a picture of a coffin. And it, and it said to the side, it says, relax, we all die. You think that, that could come across kind of crass or, or rude. But, but as, as Christians, we have, we have a word. We, we rest. We have a promise that goes before us, that, that leads us. That, this promise that's celebrated in Hebrews 11. You remember Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, that these all died in faith, the author says, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. 
if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, or they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. All that God's prepared. And Hebrews is, is catching us up in this. It's just like the songs we sing. The one who's invisible, he will be visible. The, the prayers about, about the, the consuming fire and the, the majesty of God. It was once said that Hebrews is calling us to ponder a world in which the unseen is more real, more powerful, more attractive than that which we can be seen. This pondering works supernatural wonders in our heart. In this passage, just just to just to uh, see briefly uh, these three points at the close of chapter twelve, this text we read. Really, we could say um, scholars say it's the climax of the whole book. This this passage, as we hear a warning, this this concept about what they saw, and then the promise the promise of of what's unseen, and then the response of being grateful. So we celebrate it as Christians and our, our confession of faith so faithfully uh, guides us and leads us that, the, the, that redemptive history is this progression. Progression from what's visible to what's invisible. For, from what's seen to, to what's unseen. To what's promised and then, then the fulfillment of that promise. Uh, the, these types and shadows and then coming of the substance. And we think about you know, Israel and the worshipers. They had, they had Jerusalem, a real city. They had a temple, a real temple. They had a priest, a guy they could see. They had a sacrifice they would bring, and they would, they would confess their sins over it. It would be killed, and the blood would be, be splattered against the altar. They, they, all that was visible. But how Scripture says, just like you see that Jerusalem, there's a Jerusalem above. Just like you see that, that priest there, there's, there's a great high priest who's come, Jesus. He's passed through the heavens. Just like you see that sacrifice Jesus, he's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. So scripture is leading us this, this progression about what is seen to, to what is unseen. And that we've been given a kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So Hebrews is warning us and, and takes us back in history to what Moses saw in Sinai, what Israel saw in Sinai. A people who had been liberated by blood and God had borne them on eagles' wings to Sinai and then he showed them his majesty showed them his holiness. What Moses says, what they saw, he says, it was so terrifying. Verse 21, that the sight, Moses said, I tremble with fear. So God, God was showing our forefathers the danger. If you reject my grace, if you don't hold fast to me in faith, if you don't trust what I provided, not only, not only hearing the law and obeying the law, but there was also a sacrificial system to go with the law. There's this, all this process. You need it all. You need me. If you reject me, then this is, this is what you can expect. Moses even says in Exodus 20, he, he said to the people, don't fear God, even though you, you see all this mighty display of his majesty. Don't fear God, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. Oh, that, that, that you would not fall away from him. That you not run from him, but, but trust in him. Moses says, how terrible was the sight. Yet we know our forefathers, they rebelled, and we have seen the consequences in history. Scripture gives us that message, the consequences of their fall, their wanderings. So that's why the author says, see that you do not refuse him. If they refused him who spoke on earth, how, how, can, we, how can we escape if we, we refuse him who speaks from heaven? Judgment is coming. 
That's what this, this concept of, of shaken. When, when the world is shaken, it's the overturning. The, the things that will not remain will fall away to, to leave room for the things that are endure forever. God's kingdom. And we have this, this the Apostle John gives us a, a picture of it in Revelation 20 about this shaking the world, overturning the nations of judgment. He says in, in uh, chapter 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. That's, that's what's coming, and that's what Hebrews is, is, is exhorting us to, to trust in the Lord, because judgment is, is coming. Wrath. We've seen the, the evidence of God's wrath. We've seen the majesty of His holiness. Beloved, as, as a church, we know the power of God's warnings. You know, the, 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 you know, the church's favorite book, you know, think about Pilgrim's Progress, so popular, John Bunyan, but, but even Christian, he, he hears the warning. Fly from the wrath to come. And what does he do? He, he runs after the, the eternal life, eternal life. The power of God's warnings. Are, are God's warnings sweet to you? Are God's warnings special to you and your life and your, your Christian life? We think about the psalmist who says, by your commandments, my, your servant was warned. I, I am loved and I am kept and I am saved because you, you've warned me. You've shown me. In my life, the God's warnings are, are so special in my life. In, in my 20s, I wasn't a Christian. I was drowning in alcoholism and drug addiction. Had so many consequences, so much pain, so much turmoil in my life and my family's life. Um, but yet the Lord always rescued me. He always sent loving people to me. He sent a loving pastor to marry my wife and I, a PCA pastor. He gave me the gospel. He preached to me, and, and God began to, to work in my heart. But after my last binge, I, uh, I was in my truck during lunch at work, and and a dear lady, when my wife and I were married, she gave us a, a book of God's promises. But also tucked in that book, there was, a, there was a section on God's warnings. And one of the warnings was from Hebrews, Hebrews 6. It says this, For, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. And that, that day, reading that and, and reflecting back, I mean, I know exactly what was going on there in that moment, but I, but I knew I wanted God. I knew I, I wanted His mercy. And not only did, did I want His mercy, but, but there began to, to grow in me a desire to please Him. How Hebrews talks about don't trample the blood of God. Don't, don't, don't crucify Him all over again. Don't, don't blaspheme Him. Honor Him. God began to work in me through warnings, a love to please Him, a desire to please the one who had pursued me and loved me. I no longer wanted to reject Him, but, but He gave me a, this gift and it began to, to nourish this gift of, of a heart that, that, that knew reverence. A heart that, that began to, to know awe of God. Uh, that's what we think about gratitude and, and thankfulness, the Christian life. What Zacharias Ursinus, the, the, the writer of the Heidelberg Catechism, 
he comments, he says that true Christian thankfulness is an acknowledgement and profession of our gracious deliverance through Christ from sin and death and a sincere desire to avoid sin and everything that might offend God and to conform the life according to his will, to desire, expect, and receive all good things from God alone and by true faith to render thanks for the benefits received. That that's this Christian thankfulness, this, this heart that professes, I'm a great sinner, and God is so, so merciful to me. I'm such in need, and I'll be in need my entire Christian life. I'll never outgrow my need of His grace, and I will thank Him daily for it. I'll daily seek it. God's Word and Spirit brings conversion. Um, but it was once said that the conversion that matters is the conversion right now. I think all of us, we look back at our testimonies and our experiences, but, but what about right now? How is our conversion playing out? Our, our joining Christ, walking by faith, not by sight. Our, our acti- actively participating in the age to come. You know, the things that are seen are transient and passing away, but we look forward to, to better things. Is our life being led into this, this era, the new heavens and the new earth? Because that's, that's where Jesus is leading his church. As C.S. Lewis said, he's, he's leading us further up and further in, right? But, but to a church that, you know, in Hebrews day and in our day that, that buckles under temptation of failings and, and guilt and sin, unbelief and fear that the evils of our time can, can, can seek to drive us away from God. But how Christ, he's our great high priest, he, he calls us. In uh, Hebrews 4, he says, uh, the author says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. That's our, our great high priest who, who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Who, who, who has compassion when our hearts are tempted to fall away from him. When we see persecution associated with the church, uh, people you know, being pushed out of groups, people being censored, or just the threat of, of the economy and our own livelihood and our place in this world, and we begin to be afraid. But, but he meets us there with compassion. He meets us there when we're tempted just to you know, go blow it. I just want to check out. I want to feed my flesh. I want to give in to sinful desires. He, he meets us there with compassion and mercy. Uh, we have in our, our life a, a faithful spiritual mother. Uh, she uh, has been such a strength to us. And she, her, her father had this prayer hanging in, in his office. Uh, and it is, it's really this prayer about you know, going to Christ in temptation. And she framed it and gave it to us. Uh, for Christmas, and it's such a gift. And I told her, I said, you know, thank you for helping enshrine in my home that when we're tempted, we don't run away from Jesus, but we run to him. And this is a portion of the prayer that, it, that the author says, Faith with tempta- faced with temptation, I would rather choose you, Jesus, but I am weak, be my strength. Let me build then, my king, a beautiful thing by long obedience, by a steady progression of small choices, that, that can lead to, to a, that can end and will become like the stones of a pleasing path stretching to eternity in your welcoming arms under the, so, the sound of your voice pronouncing the judgment, well done, 
that, that in temptation we run to him. We receive grace. And to see our life as this small progr- progression of obedience, like, like a stone path that, that's weaving and it's turning, but, it, but it's leading to Mount Zion. What we read. Beloved, you, you haven't come to, to God in his wrath. You've come to, to God in peace. You, you've come to, come to, the, to the, the heavenly Mount Zion, the, the heavenly Jerusalem. The, the, the dwelling place of the living God who welcomes you, who, who accepts you. You've not come to the mountain of condemnation. You've come to the mountain of justification and righteousness and blessing. You're free. Rejoice. Be happy in it. Uh, my daughters, daughters who are here, we've recently been, been uh, uh, listening to Anne of Green Gables. Familiar with the story? And, uh, it's, it's so great. We're listening to it on the way here. But Anne Shirley, who, you know, an orphan, and she said of her life that no one ever wanted her. And so, so she lands at Green Gables with Marilla and Matthew, and she's just this spunky young, young thing. So, so inspiring to the, the story and the character. But this one lady who meets her, Miss Lynn, and she says, oh, you know, Anne, this red hair, all these freckles. And she just makes all these rude comments, and then, this, uh, and then Anne just lets her have it. Just, just, just goes off and just, I hate you, I can't, can't stand you, I can't believe you'd speak to me this way. And, and so her, her host parents, her foster parents are so embarrassed. So, so, so the relationship is torn by Anne and her mouth mouthing off at this lady. And so Anne sentenced to her room. She said, I'd rather go to the, the, to the dungeon of despair than apologize to that woman. But, but later she does come out and she's encouraged to go and, and seek forgiveness and and so she, she practices, she works her way up, and she, and she goes to Miss Lynn, and she just, she just gives her spill, you know. She said, if, if uh, what did she say? I could never express all my sorrow. No, not if I used up a whole dictionary. I'm such a wicked child. I deserve to be cast out forever. And Miss Lynn, hearing her, her apology, you know, and Anne's waiting for the judgment, for the wrath, and Miss Lynn says, oh, child, you're forgiven. Oh, child, you're forgiven. And, and so Anne, she, she runs off into Miss Lynn's garden and she's getting flowers. She leaves the, the room of condemnation and now she's in the garden getting flowers. And, and what, I, what I take away from that, that, that part in the story is that later on she tells Marilla, she says, isn't forgiveness wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to be forgiven? I think, isn't that the Christian story? Think about how, how God has, has warned us. God has given us his promises. He's given us his son, and, and we're forgiven, and we're free, and that that, that would be our story. This, this boldness. Maybe some of the spunk from Anne to be loud about it in the world, to be about evangelism and missions, but to tell people, you want to know the most wonderful thing about me? That I am loved by Jesus, and he has forgiven me of all my crimes. That's the most wonderful thing. Forgiveness. This is, this is the message from God. This is the world's hope, world's hope. That the blood of Abel cries out for justice, this world to be set right, and how Christ's sprinkled blood speaks a better word. Atonement. Peace. New heavens. New earth. A, a land where righteousness dwells. Uh, Gresham Machen, before he died, he, he sent a message to his friend. He said, I'm so thankful for the active obedience of Christ. There's no hope without it. And beloved, this is our hope. So, so we respond with this exhortation. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> 
Oh God, thank you for this, this word. Thank you for your word and spirit. And we want to respond now. We thank you for leading us in these truths and promises. Oh God, build us up. Strengthen us today. This conversion right now. We take hold of life. We seek the city that is to come. And we, we honor you. We love you. We want to seek what's pleasing in your sight. Thank you for this precious congregation. Thank you for the leaders. Thank you for their faithful love to us at Strong Tower and to my family. Lord, thank you that you faithfully give us what we need. Thank you for gospel camaraderie. Thank you, Jesus, that you meet us in the, the strong hands of the church. Bless Christ Church. Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for this ministry. Thank you for this, this calling here in Trustful. Oh, Lord. Make us strong, make the church strong, and add to it. Amen.